0: Hello and welcome to Sports by Northwest from the Oregonian and Oregon Live. I am Bill Oram. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had an episode, but we are back this week with a very special guest, Dwayne Hankins, the president of business for the Portland Trailblazers. Kind enough to join us this week. Dwayne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining.
1: Yeah, Bill. Thanks for having me. This is exciting.
0: So I first reached out to you two or three weeks ago about coming on Sports by Northwest. And the impetus was that you guys had just rolled out your... Uh, city edition jerseys, (laughs) the Portland, uh, PDX carpet jerseys, and you started with such a bang, had a big win in those, in those jerseys. And I know that was a relief for you because the, you know, you don't want those jerseys Mm -hmm. to be debuted in a loss. Unfortunately, since we first connected, (laughs) the team has, 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 has struggled a little bit more. You know, it's a long season, highs, lows, ups, downs, uh, Blazers are now 11 and 11 as we speak. Um. How are the fans feeling about, about those those uniforms at the moment? Because they were a huge hit when you debuted them.
1: Yeah, no, those uniforms have been a massive success. I think beyond even my expectation, you know, we do these city editions with Nike every year. And every year we have to come up with sort of a new concept, new idea. And it's always been a good training ground to try new concepts and ideas that if they work, maybe we can bring into the other three uniforms. But this one is honestly 10 times more uh, popular than any other uniform that we've done. So uh, with our fans, they're very excited, and I think to your point with the players, like we always want to dispel any potential superstitions that could start. And so far, so good with that. Um, the, the players seem to like them as well.
0: I mean, it is such a only in Portland thing, <laughs> right? Like the entire the entire PDX carpet movement is um, has taken on such a life of its own. Where did who like who was whose brainchild was it to incorporate it with with um, with bring it into the team and incorporate it in, in the uniform.
1: It's funny. Yeah. We, we have so many good folks on our creative team. I'm, I don't want to try to name names because I think these ideas often get brought up in these brain trust meetings that we have. And, and it just kind of goes sure. from there. But our, our, our marketing creative teams really, um, really talented, really excited to to come up with that. I think it was, I, you could blame me for why it's taken so long because I think for me, it was <laughs> like, you know, I get the PDX carpet thing. And over the years we had, sold a lot of merchandise with with that design on it and it had done really really well and we're like hey let's let's put this on a uniform and yeah it's been it's been gangbusters for us ever since so um you know you just you never know which of these things are going to go off and then the second most popular uniform is from a few years ago it's the it's the brown uniform that's really um you know highly uh polarizing as well so
0: Uh, the the quick story about those was um When you guys debuted them, I was living in Los Angeles covering the Lakers, but like I've always had such a fondness for, you know, being from Oregon and I love Oregon. And I loved that branding and I loved the, you know, the, the script Oregon, obviously from the white stag sign. And I was like, how can I like, how can I get something in this without appearing biased or appearing, you know? (laughs) And so I, I got the, I got the, I got the slides. And so the the, you know, the slide sandals that say you know O R E on the right foot and G O N on the left foot, and I could wear those around L A. and nobody had any idea that it was it was Blazers gear because I thought that was great great branding. So it makes oh, sense, fantastic. and I understand I understand why <laughs> I understand why those are popular as well. Um, so the reason we are doing this now and not a couple of weeks ago um, is that you have been very busy with. Uh, with not the Blazers, but with with the Phil Knight Invitational and Phil Knight Legacy tournaments that were in Portland over Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm curious because I mean that's obviously a, a, a massive undertaking. Uh, I want is it 18 teams that that came in uh, to your facility? 16 men's teams and eight eight women's teams. So, yeah. t- okay, so 24 teams total. Um, I'm curious how you guys view. The success or how you judge the success of an event like that, because there are, you know, there was, there was a lot of talk about attendance mm-hmm. at for those tournaments and on TV it looked like there were a lot of empty seats. Obviously it's a holiday tournament. So there's probably other factors there. Um, what's your view of, the, of that event and, and how did you guys gauge the success of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for us. You know, obviously, you always want to try to fill every seat. That that's my goal every game. I'll look around a Blazers game, and if there's a patch of empty seats somewhere in the 300 level, I'm like, How did we, why didn't we sell those seats? With the college tournaments themselves, I think it's much more about the platform. It's much more about creating the opportunity um, for for the sport to thrive and succeed, and especially in the case of women's sports, right? I think we were the only tournament of the of the major holiday tournaments to have both a men's and women's bracket represented, and there were some. Um, you know, to so talk about some of where these women's tournaments had been held over the holiday weekend that maybe weren't what people thought they should be, and so we took a lot of pride in providing an outlet for women's tournaments to be played not only um, on the great stage of the Moda Center Championship Sunday, both championship games for the women and the men were on were on um, Motor Center's court, but then also those games, men's and women's, were on national, you know, nationally televised ABC, ESPN. So I think it was more about the success of that and the legacy. And really honoring Phil because you know it's because of um, we wanted to celebrate him and his 85th birthday that we brought all these teams together and all these really high powered programs to be able to play each other. And then the the legacy of it too is just how much it shook up the top 25 because there were so many right. games that that happened, wins and losses and things. So we view it as really successful um, from that standpoint. And yes, we'd always like to sell more seats, but it's a it's a positive event for the city for all of the fans that come into the city to, to help dispel the myth that Portland is this place that they can't come to and, um, and just put these college programs on the stage that they were on.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's some themes there that we're going to get into, you know, in terms of events and, and like you said, you know, Portland's reputation at at this moment, which I think is kind of coming out of a kind of a darker period. But, um, I've been curious because you and I had lunch earlier this year and we, we got into a conversation about Phil Knight's memoir, Shoe Dog. Mm -hmm. I know you'd been listening to it while, uh, while, while running, um, I'm just curious, you, you know, to go from, you know, reading that that book and then and then having an integral role in in putting on that tournament in his honor. Um, any lessons from 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 reading Shoe Dog that have kind of become part of your your, your thinking as a as a as sports business executive? And did you have a chance to uh, to to connect with Phil over the weekend and? Get him to sign your book, maybe. No, yeah, no. I
1: actually didn't get a chance to connect with him uh, over the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the book, like what you can admire about Phil is like really having put Oregon on the map. And so what I can appreciate is the reason that we're able to have the, arguably, not even arguably, the biggest college basketball tournament is because of all the things that that Phil has built to to get to get Oregon on the map this way. So that, that really was, I think the driving force behind it and really helps you appreciate, you know, um, you know, Nike and the things he's built and the, and the the programs that have such um, affection for him.
0: So you talk about big basketball tournaments, um, you know there will be more in the future but maybe none bigger than in 2030 when portland hosts the women's final 4 which was announced right before the pk tournaments which i'm assuming was not not a coincidence that of the, of the timing but i guess could could you sort of speak to what it means for portland to finally host an event of that magnitude i know that, that there've been efforts for a long time um you know what does it mean to you know the city and to and to you guys to ha- be able to kind of put on you know, and and prepare for an event like that. Yeah, I mean it's definitely been a lot of years in the making. Like, and I,
1: there's so many folks to, to that played a role in this sport. Oregon and Jim Etzel, his team, our team, to help to help this. Like, we've had we've had first rounds of NCAA tournaments to kind of say, hey, we can do this. We can do this. We've had bids before for the women's final four, and have kind kind of seen them get passed over. So when we found out the news and, and we knew it was going to come out, you know, that week of and we just we still didn't know if we were going to be the team. So to find out that we were going to do it and get to be able to do it, that it was going to be in 2030 when we believe we'll have a lot of these renovations, um, you know, set to go is just is really exciting. I remember I sent a note to Jody right after we got the announcement, just saying how excited we were from that, that same point and And she was excited. And, you know, it's just this opportunity to be able to host this event which is huge for women's sports. Portland, I think, does a phenomenal job supporting women's sports, maybe than most other major cities. And so to be able to have that here in Portland at the Moda Center really does help get the idea across that we are, we are more than willing and ready to host big events. And you know, another event that I'll t- speak to is Lizzo. Lizzo had two shows in Portland and there was only two other cities that got two Lizzo shows and they were New York and LA. So Portland can come out in droves for the right kind of
0: event. This guy feeling good as hell. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, you you mentioned something that I, I think that I would be remiss not to follow up on, which is that you had shared the news with with Jody Allen, who obviously owns the Blazers, and it, it, you know, obviously kind of inherited this team and and the obviously the ro- the Rose Quarter from uh, from her brother. What is her involvement like? And, and you said you know she was excited about 2030, and there's been so much talk about Jody's ownership. And I don't expect you to, you know, speak necessarily to to, to those plans. But you know, we don't know Jody. We don't get to see mm-hmm. her very often, um, it, you know, beyond sitting courtside. You work with her regularly. What what is that dynamic like? And and kind of what has it been like? Sort of kind of learning her vision for these things.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's funny you can say that. We were talking about uniforms here, and. Two nights ago during the Lakers game, we were emailing back and forth a bunch of us on the uniforms for twenty four, twenty five. So it's still a couple of years out. And so I won't share any details about what those uniforms may look like. But she's she's involved enough to have opinions and thoughts on how those uniforms should look. And she's got really great thoughts and advice. She mentioned that one looked like gift wrapping. And once she said that, I couldn't unsee it. And so we went away <laughs> from that design. But she's, you know, she's she's really involved. Jody's the type of person that you know she wants um, actions to speak louder than words, and so you know things that she's done organizationally to help us get to the place that we are now. Um, you know, she's done a lot, and I think her, her big her big thing is creating a really good environment, um, having leaders like Joe and myself who she believes knows what we're doing and can lead and can keep her. Uh, updated and apprised, and she's great to go to get advice from. Those those times when we're sitting together at games is sort of two and a half hours of time to bounce any and all ideas off of her. And she's been really supportive. Um, she's, been, she's been incredibly supportive. She had a lot to do with, obviously, getting this building built over here and pointing to the Moda Center. She had a lot to do with, you know, Mopop and, and CenturyLink, um, Lumen Field, I'm sorry. So, you know, she's been in it, um, but she's never had this and probably never... Desired to have this spotlight role placed mm-hmm. on her, and um, I think that's potentially been viewed as you know someone who's not engaged. When you know the emails, texts, and things that go back and forth between you know me, Joe, her, and Bert, I've all been you know. But would, would tell a different story. Would tell someone that is engaged.
0: You, you mentioned the building, you and you and you use the word renovations, right? Mm-hmm. And what is what is your long term vision? for for the Moda Center and what it's going to look like. You know, I remember when it was built. I remember the first I remember going to games the first year. Like if it's an old arena, that means I'm old. So I <laughs> I don't like to think of it as as an old building, but I've also been to the other what is it, other 27 NBA arenas or 28 arenas and I I do recognize what um what some a little bit of that gap is. Um what what do you see as 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 the Moda Center needing the most and what's a timeline for for getting there mm-hmm.
1: yeah i mean it's it's the moto center and it's the the rose quarter district itself right and so we've seen plans from folks like Albina, and they've done a really great job of wanting to reintegrate their neighborhood mm-hmm. into this space a little bit of a history lesson is that obviously the i-5 coming in and the vmc coming in in the 60s displaced a lot of people in the black community in portland mm-hmm. and so there's there's a real um there's a real need to kind of acknowledge that. And Albina's put some really interesting plans forward. We also have some interesting thoughts that we're starting to put together now about what this district could be. It's this interesting place where people come here when there are events. And when there are not events, it's a bit of a ghost town down here. And we would desire for the Rose Quarter to be sort of fertile ground for development and other things to happen. But we we also recognize that when you have a an arena surrounded by big parking lots, it's not gonna create that space. So it really starts stepping outside, looking at what the Rose Quarter district could be, what could what it could turn into. And then you turn in and say, okay, well, you've got the convention center right over here, within walking distance, you've got the Coliseum, which obviously hosts a lot of great events, the Blazers Motor Center, which hosts a ton of events. And in that you know, in that pocket you get so many people that come from all over the place and that's their impression of Portland. So is, should it should it be something different? And I think that's the question we're answering now. As for the Moda Center, um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot, I think, of work that it needs. I would say with the club level has really an area that, that could be addressed, that could be a more high premium space. You've seen teams do these bunker suites in their arenas, which are interesting ideas, things that we've looked at. Our event level, we're kind of running out of space in terms of premium spaces that could be down there. A scoreboard, you know, would be a great upgrade for us. Um, Another one that we talked about uh, and you see in other arenas is an exterior sort of lobby where fans don't have to wait in the cold and the rain to get their, their ticket scanned. They could be inside a building. So <clears throat> those are all the things that we kind of sorted through now for timing. You know, we're pushing everything to be ready. I think for 2030, right? It, that's when I've, I've talked about our sort of all-star ready being Rose quarter, 2030 vision. And we already have the, the uh, final four, which kind of fell on that year. And we'd love to be ready for an all-star game right around that same time because, you know, th- that feels like there's enough time there to get the renovations that we need to do. Cause likely it'd be a, a two year during the off season kind of thing if we did it. And we just need to figure out when that starts.
0: Yeah. The all-star thing is interesting that the, the city of Portland has never hosted an all-star game in, in 50 years as a, as a franchise. It's just a little mind boggling, especially when you consider, you know, where the all-star game has has been i mean the nba draft has been in portland (laughs) believe it or not like shaq was drafted first overall in portland which is a piece of trivia that i frankly i only learned this year um but the the idea that there hasn't been an all-star game here um you know it sounds like that's a pretty high priority for you
1: yeah i mean and it has been in the path for us right and i think um For us, it's just, you know, whether the Blazers have been here 52 years. We've Mm -hmm. sold out nearly every game. The fan base here, obviously long before I was here, fell in love with this team and has loved this team for such a long time. And it's just the fans deserve it more than anything. They deserve to see the best of the best come to Portland and be able to watch that game. And then further, just the Allen family, Jody and Paul, have owned this team and have invested in the NBA, invested in the community for the past 30-plus years. And, you know, uh, as, a, as a recognition of, of, you know, their ownership and and their stewardship of the franchise, I think it would just be great to have that, that game here as well. So uh, it really is a priority in that sense. And, you know, we're looking for ways to showcase Portland. I think, um, you know, a lot of your window into how a city is doing can be through the sports franchises, right? Like no one would know where Green Bay, Wisconsin was, albeit for the Packers. Portland's been through some some rough times, and in, in during the pandemic, and coming out of it, we can be we can be the the lens that helps people realize that Portland is back on its feet and is coming out of this. And so that's something we take a lot of pride in.
0: That's actually something I talked to folks at Portland State University about earlier this this fall, because you know Portland State holds you know so much of you know the downtown, you know might be the largest landowner in downtown Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and has and has events, has college basketball, and has you know other sporting events. Um, you know, a lot of them also happen out in Hillsboro. But in terms of you know basketball games at PSU, I know Portland State. You know, also views themselves as a conduit to helping you know restore the image of of, of Portland. And I think that you know it's 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 notable that you you see that the the same way. Um, are there other ways that you guys can can do that, or is it really focused on like building up the Rose Quarter, building up you know? the arena and, and putting on you know, you know world-class events that people are going to travel for?
1: No, there's other ways for sure. Uh, our community impact, the things that we do um, to help lift the community around us. Our diversity, equity, inclusion work has certainly played a role in all of that. It's the concerts and events we've had. This will be a record-breaking year in terms of total concerts and events, so the amount of people that we're bringing downtown. Now, Blazers fans generally come from a 25-mile radius uh, around the arena to come to games, but concert goers come from all over the state and in wa- into Washington. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we are the postcard, for lack of a better word, of people's viewpoint of downtown. So it's those things. And then I would say also, um, you know, it's just the, it's it's being really good stewards of what the organization stands for on the outside. Like, I know people always go to the, the I don't like this term, but the jailblades there, I don't think it's aged that well, but there was always a lot of uh, reticence about that era because that era made Portland look maybe worse than it was. Like if you knew the Mm -hmm. played Portland for anything, you knew it for its team and the team was maybe an embarrassment to, to what the city was doing. So we really, really need to stand on really high moral ground about what kind of organization we are, who our leaders are, who our players are. And again, that, that one comes directly from Jody and that's really important to her. And so I think that you see that play out, um, you know hopefully with people like Joe and I with Damian with Chauncey, those kinds of things
0: we we were talking about Moda Center and 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 kind of the vision there it is it is to renovate and not replace right i mean there there is is there any thought to a whole new you know from from the ground up arena with i, mean, I know i know like you mentioned the coliseum i mean that 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 location has always been a little bit of a a boondoggle mm-hmm. frankly for those who want to use that space differently um, is your, is your, is the vision of the organization with Moda Center to work within the existing footprint?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, for us, we our peer arenas, which are, you know, Cleveland, um, Chicago in a way, those, those arenas that are about our age that haven't had ma- that have had major renovations. Um, we feel like there is enough of a footprint here and enough of good structure, good bones, that a renovation could accomplish the things that, that we would need to do, on, the, on at least on this campus. And it's such a good space. Um, you know, we think about the Coliseum. It is, um, you know, it's an interesting opportunity. And, and there have been many people that have tried to bring different ideas to what the Coliseum could and should be. We're kind of thinking about that as well. Um, but we don't have any, you know, we don't have anything we're ready to share in that regard. I think for us, um, the other one I'd add is WNBA, which is a real possibility here for Portland, I think, at some point. <clears throat> and we want to have um, – I mean, ideally, that team would play, I think, in the in the Moda Center. Sur- surely they could play in the Coliseum, but it's a, it's a major league sport that should be in a major league arena. Um, and so that's an opportunity that I think we look at as well as in terms of a renovation because there would need to be some renovations to get ready for that.
0: And by the way, I just want to make sure you know that you are in following in, in good footsteps on the Sports by Northwest podcast because a few episodes ago we had Jackie Styles, mm-hmm. who was the uh, the star of the Portland Fire, the last time the, the Portland had a WNBA team. She joined us uh, a couple months ago, oh, uh, but great. she was very pro, very pro uh, bringing the WNBA back back to Portland. So, um, and I know those efforts are af- afoot, and I I think that they've been. While while it's not the Blazers who are trying to who are sparking that effort, there is a partnership or kind of working in tandem with, with the people, with the ownership group that's hoping to bring a team. Yeah. I mean, just, just us
1: kind of saying, look, we, we would fully and wholly support this and think it could be successful and would want to do whatever we could to help it succeed.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you feel like as you know, with the blazers, I mean, the last year has been such a, my word would probably be tumultuous year, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, change in both of the top management positions with both you and Joe um, coming internally. But, you know, moving in, into those those top chairs, uh, you had a you had a you know coach hired and fired. There was some uncertainty about Damien. Um, you know, it seems like all that stuff is sort of settled. Is that is that your view? I mean, is is, is the team in a, a more stable place, I guess, than it might have felt eight months ago?
1: Yeah hundred hundred percent that's the case i think and and it's and for any new person like me coming into the role it's going to feel unstable anyway because you're learning on the job but it certainly feels more stable than it's been and it's really a it's really a credit to having really good communication between first joe chauncey and myself but then also in through ownership you know you're gonna things can feel great when you're, you're 10 and four, right? Everything, everyone's riding high, but when you're 11, 11, you find out what kind of team you are. And yesterday we had, you know, we had a nice long call just talking about the team and the business and all those things. And it's such an open communication style where everyone puts everything on the table and we talk about it all and we tackle it together because ultimately we're all in it together. And so, um, I find it to be really, really helpful, refreshing, supportive, um, and, and, you know it, it, it it's i don't know what it's been like because this is my first year ever ever being in this role but it really i think creates an environment where people can thrive and and are about the right things and even if the results on the court aren't exactly um you know where they wanted to be over the last few games like we know that we're building things the right way and at the end of the day n- you know to be 11 and 11 with the hardest schedule in the league and all these road games like I think Joe would say, and I don't want to speak for him, that he he kind of take he kind of take where we are. We always want to get better, but pretty pretty um, pretty happy to be in this place. And for the first time in a while, I think fans feel a sense of um, real positivity about the future of the team um, that maybe they didn't have before.
0: Dwayne, it's been a weird couple of years with the pan- with the pandemic, and fans have obviously you know been physically removed from the team in a way that they haven't been, and then obviously you know disruption with the roster and all that are there ways for you guys to engage fans in ways maybe you haven't in the past um whether it's watch parties or or something or something else
1: yeah i think we've tried to do that pretty actively i mean if you go back and i don't want to relay this but it's you know it's almost been now three years since the pandemic so the season shuts down we play in a bubble our fans don't have access to that except through broadcast then we have the almost a whole season with no fans except for the end when we can have a, a thousand and then we have the playoffs where we had half full and then last year we still had big heavy restrictions in terms of um people being vaccinated or um you know um or wearing masks to games which you know not a lot of people were thrilled about and so <laughs> everything that could end the team of course didn't perform on the court the way we all anticipated so we, we came into this year and thought okay what are ways that we can really help the fans get closer to the team and I do think one of the things that I'd like to give kudos to one of our, our teams on is the trail, this, this episodic docuseries that we've rolled out in the last um, month and a half. Now, that, the goal with that really was to get fans to understand our players off the court and really understand what they're about and understand the camaraderie and togetherness that, t- that Chauncey talks about that we're fostering and to understand also and meet the staff that will help work on work on the team side as well. And so we felt like that's been a window for fans that they didn't have in the past um certainly um you know having fans come back to the game we we don't have any more restrictions and our and our crowds have been much much better this year we're averaging you know 17 i think it's a little over 17 or under eighteen thousand fans per game which has been great uh so that that feels like it's bounced back and then the broadcast is always so important to us you know we're one of the few teams that gets to to do whatever we want on our broadcast, which can be good and can be bad, right? But um, from a production standpoint, we've really tried to help our fans understand the game more than ever. Um, you know, we, we feel like we have some of the best talent there is with Brooke, Kevin, and Lamar, and we've really wanted to raise the production value of our broadcast because Lamar does such a good job telling about the things that happen on the court. We wanted to kind of back that up with data and stats and, and have really tried to do that to, to make our fans, you know, some of the smartest in the NBA.
0: And so you've done that with um – integrated stats uh you know on on the on the floor you know you have access to there's a service called second spectrum that you guys have been able to pull stats in real time for and put it put it on whether it's you know i mean if you, anybody who watches the games knows you know anthony Simons has the ball and he is at the three point line and you see that he shoots 37% and then he d- drives with his left hand and you see his 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 shooting percentage in that exact scenario change in real time i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty slick um I'm wondering what the fan feedback has been to that because not every fan is an a- analytics minded mm-hmm. consumer, uh, to, to having it on the screen like that. But then also you've brought in, uh, Corey Jez, who is an analytics expert and you've integrated him into the broadcast, sort of like the way an NFL or college football broadcast brings in like a referee mm-hmm. expert, um, and had him kind of come in to try to explain some of this stuff. What has been the feedback on, on those, on those two things?
1: Yeah, I think generally, Generally good. I think where we're where we're hitting at the core of it is those really core, hardcore basketball fans. They're super excited about it. And then I think we're, we're getting people who are on the outside of that fan base to be a little bit more curious about those numbers and those stats and just sort of the story that's happening on the court. So um, like anything, I think these things um, you're going to try. We're going to try. I think what we've committed to is Maybe part of our namesake here, but we're going to try things, and if they fail, fail fast. And if they work out, we're going to we're going to keep adding them and, and inserting them in, all with the goal of having you know the best broadcast in the league. We 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 actively don't want to have you know a, a broadcast that maybe looks like sort of every other broadcast could look. And so, what are the things that we can do to to educate fans, bring things forward? We've also added some social components so fans can vote; they can feel like they can get in on on the game, and they can have a voice at the game. Um you know having a second screen experience while you're watching the game I think is gonna be really important uh t v ratings for lots of reasons in the r f n world are going down um but one of them is like how are we really helping our fans stay engaged? How easy are the games to watch? all those sorts of things and so um you know we are willing to do all the things we need to to make the game feel not just like a an experience that we're delivering to you but an experience that you can be a part of
0: just as a fan. Of the team because I think that in order to be in in your business you have to mm-hmm. you have to have a love of the games and the team. Um, I know we mentioned that you know the, the the record has evened out a little bit, which was probably to be expected. I don't think that anybody thought that you guys were that the Blazers were going to win you know seventy five percent of their games this season. Um, it's been a pretty fun group, Dwayne. Yeah. It's been a pretty fun group of players, and you know obviously Dame's missed quite a bit of time with injuries, but. Are you? I mean, I'm, I'm. assuming this has been fun for you as well. I mean, are you, do you like? I mean, this is a very obvious question, but do you like this team? Has this been a? Has this been a fun team to be around, especially in your first full year in in this role?
1: Yeah, it, it really has. And again, I'm I'm an observer, right, on all this stuff. But just the way you know. Chauncey has helped build that togetherness, not just say it Mm -hmm. in press conferences, but actually build it and you see it and you feel it and you, you know, at the end of every game, win or loss, there's a lineup of people giving high fives to the players and, and and to each other. And there's a real camaraderie that is, I think, unique in sports among the value between the business side, which is, you know, where I'm primarily focused in the basketball side, where Joe and Chauncey are focused. To be on the same page, to feel that connectedness, even among our our different business units, I think it's been really, really positive. And, you know, it takes leaders to understand that not only they bring that value, but they see the value that others bring. And you see that unfold, I think, on the court. Like, everybody knows their role. Everybody knows how they can succeed. And it just makes it so fun to watch. And our fans, you know, the players that they've loved since I've been here are all the players that, you know, win or lose, give their best effort dive on the floor when it's needed, do those things on defense. And you kind of see that with this team. And it it makes it really easy for us to, to market the story of the team to our fans and our fans are excited about
0: it. Dwayne. One thing that fans may not know about you, or maybe fans are still getting to know you is that you actually have a degree (laughs) in journalism and mass communications from Iowa state university. Um, There's probably a a long story about how you ended up on the business side uh, from starting out on the, on the, uh, mass communication side. But I just want to know, like for your feedback as somebody who you know, has a degree in this stuff, like how has this podcast been? Like, how have I done as an interviewer? <laughs> you've done phenomenal. Um, you're objective, you, uh,
1: inject opinion when, when needed and you've led a, a really uh, thoughtful conversation. I appreciate it.
0: Why aren't, why aren't you here? Why aren't you a, a sports writer? Why is, why, why are you on the business side? It's funny. I went to school for computer engineering and I, did, and I did
1: that for a year. And I thought, well, I don't know if I want to do this. And I didn't know what I wanted to do after that. And no one in my family had gone to college. So, it, there wasn't really a path. And journalism was what stuck out to me. And there was a movie called Almost Famous that I loved. <laughs> loved. Still my favorite movie. And I was like, I think I want to do that. <laughs> and then in... And then just throughout graduating, I got more realistic about my career and, and um, what I could do. And I didn't know you could work for a sports team. I honestly just didn't know that was a thing. And so when I found that out and I just got my start in minor league baseball, everything just kind of grew from there. And I, you know, blessed, I feel like lucky and blessed to be able to, to do this job. I know that's a hokey thing to say, but it's been, it's been a really fun experience these last, uh, I guess, 20 years. <laughs>
0: Well, and I, I feel the same way. So, um, you know, Dwayne, I really appreciate. I'm glad that that journey has brought you here <laughs> to the Sports by Northwest podcast. Uh, really appreciate all of your insights on everything around, not just the Trailblazers, but you know, the, the Rose Garden, the, the Moda Center, and Good the job. Rose Quarter, and 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 the future of 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 that space and and events in Portland. I think you know, um, obviously Portland continues to grow as a, as a sports city and, and, you know, has a lot of exciting opportunities ahead. So we look forward to you know seeing what you guys are able to do with those things. So thank you for joining us and thank you for, um, thank you for, uh, your time.
1: Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: I would like to thank Dwayne Hankins for joining the sports by Northwest podcast this week. A lot of great insight on kind of the future of, uh, of sports in portland and the state of oregon i think Um, subscribe to sports by northwest for more interviews like this one leave a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be back next week probably with more interesting conversations about sports all around oregon portland that's why it's called sports by northwest thanks for listening